1: Welcome to Micro, a podcast for short but powerful writing. I'm your host, Drew Hawkins. From the grandest of kingdoms to the countryside, the three pieces of microfiction in this episode interrogate problematic expectations that parents have for their children and the turmoil that ensues. In this first piece, Ducks and quiet parallels haunt this microfiction, whose ending may come as a surprise. It's called Something Like Hannah. It was written by Carlton Whaley and published by New South on February 12th, 2018. Enjoy.
2: Something Like Hannah. We were watching Food Network when the world ended. The children next door were feeding the ducks, the boy standing far back while his sister chased a single goose back into the pond. I had wanted to name our daughter Hannah, if we had her, but there had been mornings, days, and weeks of sickness, always followed by nights of you holding me as I shook cold and empty. The doctors warned me against trying again, after all we live in such uncertain times. You put your hand on my shoulder in that cold, white office, the same hand that held the remote now. You changed the channel from news to news, from there is no truth to these threats to what is the nature of truth, finally settling on a screen where duck breasts fried, their skin crackling and bubbles of fat burst glistening. The girl next door, whom I secretly call Hannah, is trying to get the ducks to eat right out of her palm. I turned to you and said, it's been a long time since we've had duck. And you said,
1: Carlton Whaley is an incoming MFA candidate at Goddard College and spilled coffee everywhere during the first take of this recording. You can find him on social media at Carlton Whaley or on his website at carltonwhaley.com. Of all the names out there, would you call your child Sidewalk? More about Baby A's unfortunate naming process in this ironic piece from M.M. Kaufman. It's called Baby A. And it was published by Tuck Magazine on February 16th, 2018. Enjoy.
3: When the mother became pregnant, the father refused to choose a name. You can't name a fetus, he said. You don't know it yet. She was disappointed but recorded potential names in a notebook she kept tucked away. Soon after giving birth, she turned to her husband and asked if he was ready to name their son now. The father asked the nurse if they could take their baby home before deciding. We don't really know him yet, he said. What's the rush? On the birth certificate, the nurse wrote, Baby A. Whenever the father looked at the tiny wrinkles on his son's fingers, or studied the length of his toes, he wondered how they would change if this baby was named Gabriel or Gus. When he thought of this baby as having a name, he saw him as having a future shaped by that name. In his unnamed son's eyes, he saw that anything was possible. But when he looked into those eyes, as the eyes of Jamal or Dominic, or any name his wife suggested, he saw doors closing. He heard cruel nicknames on the playground, saw resumes get passed over, and even imagined the name said by a future lover in bed. He felt all of the names they considered would close off a bit of life for this baby. The mother couldn't wait to introduce baby A to her family and friends. She would announce it online and use his name and a hashtag. She imagined what he might do, whom he might become, and what name would suit his pursuits best. She made lists of good names for doctors, actors, professors, engineers, and artists. But her husband didn't like any of the names she suggested. For each one, he had a reason why it wouldn't work the mother wanted to stop imagining and making lists and start living her son's life with him. And that started with his name. Six weeks passed and baby A was nameless. His mother and father fought every day. His mother read names from her notebook and his father nixed each one. He finally hid the notebook, just to get some peace, he argued. The father could only see how each name would limit the baby's future. But he knew his son would have to be named eventually. So he strapped baby A into his car seat, pulled the notebook from the icebox, and drove the family to the hospital. In the car, the mother read out names without taking a breath. The father didn't say a word. You're being impossible, she said. There's no magic name out there. We have to call him something. The father remained silent. And so when they were almost to the hospital, the mother shouted the names of anything she saw as suggestions for baby A. How about tree? Or let's name him mailbox or sidewalk? The father banged his fist on the steering wheel and groaned. You're not taking this seriously. Trash can or red light. Baby A sucked on his toes as the car flew through the intersection and was T-boned by a concrete mixer truck. He didn't even cry until he heard the loud scream of the ambulance siren. Baby A's mother and father would never know what his adopted parents named him.
1: M.M. M. Kaufman lives in New Orleans, where she earned an MFA in the University of New Orleans Creative Writing Workshop. You can find her on Twitter at MM underscore Kaufman. Or on her website at mmkaufman.com. Filled with beauty and kingdoms, this brief but powerful final piece of microfiction takes the tone of a grim fairy tale. It's called Statuesque. It was written by Matt Bell and published by Wigleaf in March 2018. Enjoy.
0: Statuesque. Because the father spoke to the younger only of her beauty, never her lessons, she read no more books, only brushed her hair each morning with a thousand strokes of the brush. Because he spoke of her as if she were a painting or a carving, every afternoon she abandoned her riding and dancing to practice sitting very still, thinking little, saying less, until she often appeared not even to blink or breathe. If later in life many remarked upon the mystery that she did not marry, it was perhaps in truth no mystery at all. The kingdom's many roving suitors simply could not find her inside the royal museum her father had built around her bedroom, its gallery stocked with marble floors, almost as lovely as she, but seemingly only half as still. And when the fading city of her father was finally sacked and she was carried off by lecherous raiders, know that it was not for her hand in marriage, or for the possibility of ransom, or even for terrors of the flesh. The raider chieftains had mistaken her for a life-size bit of porcelain, a treasure white and alien smooth, but certainly not living, a blank prize more valuable than any captive they could have installed upon a pedestal, or better yet set behind thick glass, where her beauty might safely be seen but never heard, in case she ever again decided to ruin herself with gesture and with speech. When later they realized who she was, they did not regret their decision. How well she decorated their halls, they thought, so regal, so barely a girl at all.
1: Matt Bell's next novel, Appleseed, is forthcoming from Custom House in July 2021. You can find him on Twitter at mdbell79 or on his website at mattbell.com. Micro is edited and curated by Dylan Evers and produced and hosted by me, Drew Hawkins. Our theme song is by Matt Ordez. You can find all the information about this episode's writers, their featured work, and the publications where they were published in the show notes. Subscribe to the show on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out some of our other episodes. You can also always find our shows at micropodcast.org, and you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Podcast Micro. Thanks for listening.